this is Pastor Keith Joseph coming to you from First Baptist Church of Jackson, Georgia. Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear, the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Look with me in chapter 2 and verse number 10. Now see if this won't bless your heart. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Now, that'll bless your heart. You say, but that don't don't have anything to do with me. Yes, it does. Look this way. The truth of the matter is, if you lean into this, you'll know that throughout the Word of God, everyone that God used greatly, He had to put them into a platform of suffering. So let me ask you this. Has hell broken loose in your life? Well, you say, well, why does it happen? Why does it break loose in your life? There, there are three reasons. They're not in your notes. I want you to think about them with me for a moment. One of the reasons the hell break loose, breaks loose is because we live in a broken world. Just, just in a minute today, you're going to have hell. You see, it just happens. Life is, people don't only die. People get disease and, and people mistreat each other. We go through dysfunction and things in life because we live in a broken world. And some of you come here to the day and there's hell all around you and you're trying to think, what's going on? But, but there's another reason why hell breaks loose is because the devil's against us. See, the devil doesn't want you to, to have joy in his life. And so, so here's what the Bible said, that do not fear because the devil is about to throw some of you in their day, the church at Smyrna, into prison. The church at Smyrna was an interesting church. In its day, it was the second largest city in all of, of, of that area. It's modern-day Turkey. The city still exists today. It's been renamed as Izmar. It has 4.7 million people. It is, is in, in, the, in the northwest part of Turkey. If you know anything about Syria, which is the totally opposite, where 4 million refugees are right now. It's totally opposite place, and, and it's dominated by, by Muslims today. If you believe in Jesus and, and Ismar today, ancient Syria, or excuse me, Smyrna, you could lose your head today. They are in prison for their faith. But as Jesus addressed them a letter, He loved them, and He was encouraged them that in the midst of their trial, that there's some things that God wanted them to do. But let me ask you, where does your trial come from? Where does the hell that's in your life come from? You see, for many of us, it's the fact that we live in a broken world. For others of us, the fact that, that the devil is against us. I, I've been reading this, this book that I that, that had Kelly get for me. It's entitled, Believe It or Not, When All Hell Breaks Loose. And listen to what he says. This is why I brought the book today. I want you to hear this. Now, really lean in. Don't assume to whip out this book while, listen to this, three feet deep in floodwaters that lingers in your living room and expect to be a happy camper. Now listen to this. The information in this manual should be studied and used before the next emergency. Now let me hold up another book. 
It's too late to read the book on how to swim when the boat's going down. Proper advanced preparation can mean the difference between you living or dying. In other words, if you if you if you have have a book, if you'll come, if you have a book that that actually you you read, you hear, and you obey, you might be prepared when all hell breaks loose. But now watch this. I, I wish all of us in this room as believers could say that it's because of a broken world that I'm going through hell. I wish all of us in this room could say it is because the enemy is against me. But there's a third reason. And it is the reason that I have to confess to you that I don't like hard times. So when I read that statement on page 36, listen to this, the larger your pain, the larger your platform for Jesus, it stuck like a knife in me because I realized this, the third reason we go through hell is because we do it to ourselves. You see, I want to be the leader of my kingdom. Anyone else? I want it to be my way. But the truth of the matter is, God has to put me in hell. Not literally. Lost people even understand hell. God has to put me in there to train me and to get me into a better place where it's not my kingdom, but His. So here's what I want you to do in the message today. I want you to take, take your notes. We're going to walk through the notes exegetically in a moment. But I want you to write three words at the top of your page. The three words I want you to write down, first of all, is the word fall. We live in a broken world. Fall. The fall of Adam. F-A-L-L. Fall. The second word I want you to write down is the word fight. We have a fight with our enemy. Amen? We have a fight with our, the enemy. And number three is the word flesh. I just use those words because they're easy to alliterate and follow. Whether or not, so right now ask yourself, why am I going through hell? Is it because of the fall? Is it because of my fight with the enemy? Or is it because of my flesh? You say, but preacher, what about our faith? It's all wrapped up in that. So here's what we're going to do. As Jesus addresses this letter, this messenger takes it and he leaves Ephesus and he's going and the the pastor at Smyrna, the good pastor at Smyrna is ready to receive the word and he says that this one, look with me in verse number 9 or 8, he says, and the angel to the church at Smyrna, that's the pastor, writes the words of the first and the last. He says, he identifies himself, he said, I am God who always was and I always am and I always will be. So what you say, Pastor, what can you, how can you help me in this mess this morning? There are three truths I want to give you as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, these truths don't apply to you, yet they can if you'll come to Jesus. Here's the first truth I want to give you. Is Jesus prepared the church for such a time. When they heard the news that they were in tribulation and they were going to go through hell, they didn't get discouraged because they'd been prepared for it. You see, if you're prepared for something, it's a lot better than if you're not. Ladies, have you ever had to, had to scrounge around the house to fi- find food because your husband is going to bring somebody else home? You've got to be prepared for whatever you're doing in life. And Jesus did not leave the church with that. If you, if you want to, you can turn with me in John chapter 15. Jesus is in the upper room with His disciples, and He says to them some particular words about what was going to take place in the latter days. He, and then in, in their days. He said this, John 15 and 18, If the world hates you, by the way, and it does, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, I wrote for you in your notes. It's not on the outline, but it's in your notes. They hate you because they hate Jesus. Could it be that God has said to you, I trust you, believe that that you can be a great witness for me, and if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to get in the oven of the hell of this life and fight through. 
I said this in the first service, and I'll get out of the way now. That way I won't, won't have to dread it the whole time. I, I'm often timid when I'm one-on-one with people, trying to be gracious and kind of the pastoral side of me. But listen to me, some, sometimes I, I want to just say this when somebody comes up to me about their, about their half-inch deep problem. Did you hear me? Their, their half-inch deep problem. If I've been counseling with you recently, please don't take this personal as if it's you. Please don't get mad and get up and walk out or at the end of the service say, I'll never go to him again. It's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes people come up to me after a sermon like this and they'll say something like this to me, but pastor. When anybody says that they've heard the message, but you know it's about to try to take another justifying moment. And what I wanted to say to somebody that, that has a half-inch deep problem is this, suck it up, buttercup, and take the long view. <laughs> there are real issues. I've got students who don't have a mom or dad who care anything about God. And we're talking about we didn't get the nickel out raise. Or you got a pain in your back. Listen, I understand your pain in your back, but friend, don't let it consume you. Please don't take me wrong. I love you. I, if you come up to me, I'll be just as kind as I can be. Pray for you. But there's times I just want to say, and I guess I've just got it out to everybody today. Hey, suck it up. Because the world is going to be the way that it is. And if you're battling a broken world, thank God, First Peter 4 says, that proves that you are a Christian. If you're not, if nobody's after you, that proves the other side of the coin. If everybody loves you, if everybody's happy with you, and nobody ever blogs about you, nobody ever tweets about you, or texts about you, or puts you down in a meeting, or so, if they never do it to you, you need to get saved. Amen. I'm just telling you, you do. I'm sorry, I'm out of the message now. Let me get back into it. That's a sidebar. He says, remember the word, verse 20, I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they keep your word. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, but they do not know uh, the one who sent me. Listen, they persecute you because they're blind to the truth. If they knew him, they'd want to know you. If they knew what you knew, they'd want to come to Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, I'm preparing you for this. In chapter 16, he goes on and, and, and he says this, I've said these things to you, verse 1, uh, the, to you to keep you from falling away. They would put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. Think about this. Jesus says they will kill you because you're following the direction of your God instead of their God. To see, the church of Smyrna was facing this. Here was a deal that, that there, there was a majority of people there in the place who, who believed what the Romans believed. In other words, the Romans said this, you can worship your God as long as you worship our God. Oh, it was free to worship Jesus as long as you worship their God. They'd let you do that as long as you put their God in the mix. Isn't that America today? But when you're exclusive to Jesus Christ because it's what he says, then what happens to you? You find yourself ostracized by society. And here was the worst part of it all. Of all, most historians believe this, that in Smyrna, the majority of the people really were not against the, the people of God. But because they were afraid they'd lose their jobs, they became the silent majority. This is America. This is you. Some of you today, you are silent because you don't want to put your life on the line. And listen to this, you have a small platform. Some people get on to me sometimes, not, not in the congregation, but in diff different kinds of ways. Like, preacher, why are you standing up against this thing with the Methodist church right now? Because if somebody don't stand for them, somebody don't stand for the truth of the Word of God. So why do you stand up at all these moral issues, and why don't you just kind of shine on through? Because I can't. Because God is prepared and said, I will give you a larger platform if you will stand up. And friend, listen to me. Some of you need to take the long view. Not what it is now, but what it's going to be if you don't stand. And what it's going to be, praise God, if you do stand. I believe we can take this country back for Christ. I don't believe it's over by anything. I believe this is our greatest hour. It is our greatest hour for the glory of God if we get rid of the wimps. 
sorry, not get rid of, change, transform, transform. God's in that business. So let me ask you this, this silly question. Why is there hell in your life? Is it the fall? Is it the fight? Or is it your flesh? Jesus did not only prepare them for such a time as that. When I read the Word of God, Jesus had a plan for them. When He says, I know your works, that had to be comforting. You know, somebody knows you're in something, and listen, you come to me, I, I really do love you. I, I kind of blew it out of the water. You probably think, He don't ever want me to say anything. No, no, no. I, I want you to come, but I don't want you to come every service with the same thing. Amen. Somebody said, get the spider webs out of my life. I say this, you kill the spider. Just kill it. Get, get rid of it. There's some things that you can... You, Carl knows enough in his field that if, if, he's got, if he's got bugs in his field, he knows how to get rid of it, right? He don't come back 50 times and say, do the same thing. I don't know why I'm, I'm just kind of hanging here, but God won't let me beyond it. But listen to me. Jesus began in John 17. He prayed for these people. He said, I got a plan. You say, what was his plan? Listen to what John chapter 17 and verse 14 says. Jesus said, I've given them, Father, your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Did you hear that? Don't take their platform from them, Father. Did you hear that? Don't take their platform from them, but listen, but that you would keep them from the evil one. Write this down. Jesus is praying for our protection. He doesn't say, remove that. Because if he removed that, now watch this. The people in Smyrna of that day, listen to me, they, 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 were, they did not grow up in a Christian home. See, I grew up in a Christian home and understood the value of the Bible, even though sometimes in, in church I slept on it. And didn't read it during the week, and I was a kid sometimes, but it began to get inside of me. I understand the value, but somebody's never been in the Word of God does not know the value. Listen, somebody didn't grow up in a Christian home doesn't understand all that. And so now watch, when they come to Christ, or they, listen, that there are people that, that did not know the Lord at all, they were heathens coming to Christ in Smyrna, but also there was the synagogue of Satan, the Jewish synagogue that they were coming out of, and they had gotten saved. So let me ask you this, how long does it take to change somebody's views? How long does it take if you grew up in something to change that and totally embrace something else? How long does it take? Sometimes it takes generations. Sometimes it takes a little... Y'all lean into this thing with me. Get into, it takes a long time unless something happens. Unless something happens that drives you to make the changes. And you know what? It's called a miracle. The miracle of salvation, but then the miracle of surrender and sanctification. You know what God does? He has to knock on the door of your heart and put you in suffering and trials and the hell of this life to get you to quit doing what you're doing. And sir, I'm saying this to you, some of you in this room, you have lingered long enough in your mess and God's sending hell to you. Ma'am, I'm saying God's going to send hell to you. You say, preacher, what do you mean? It's birthed in my heart. I'm telling you, it's consistent with the Word of God. I'm telling you as your pastor, if you don't come out of what you're in right now, if you don't move beyond it, some of you have been in it long enough, you're about to go into the depths of hell in this life because God loves you that much. He loves you that, that much that He's not going to let you live your life. For me, it had to be an accident where I almost lost my life as a young man. It put me in a place where I had to force to answer the question, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And so I believe with all my heart that Jesus has a plan, and that plan, He prays for our protection. But also He said this, He said in verse 17 of John 17, that you would sanctify them in the truth. That means this, that God's going to position you. He prays for the positioning. When God positions you somewhere, He says, i got this thing for you. I'm going to do this thing inside of you. He's not doing it so you quit. He's saying that so you dig down deeper. 
He's saying it so that you'd move forward. In John chapter 8, eight and, excuse me, in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, if God's for you, who can be against you? He doesn't say that I'll take you to the beach, I'll take you on ease, I'll give you a job raise, I'll give you a career that you want, relationships that you want. He doesn't say any of that. He said, nothing shall separate you from the trial of God, neither tribulation, nor trial, nor pestilence. And he goes right down the list of things you and I say, I don't want, Lord. And the Lord says, okay, no platform for me. Friend, no platform for me. The person who lives their life as a casual believer will never change the world. And I want to say this, that God did not call you to be a member of First Baptist Church to be a casual attender because God called this church to change the world. And as we take these students, as we take our senior adults, our mid ages, all the people who said, God, give me a platform. Let me tell you, some of the greatest testimonies that come from our church are people who are going through hell. I think of folks' physical sicknesses right now that they never would have asked for in their life. There's one particular person that God has welded my heart to more than ever before because I've watched this individual take care of their spouse and they have showed me love in a deeper way than I've ever seen as they have loved. And listen, what you know, they've given up their total life and said, I'm yours. I, when I married you, I would take care of you. Listen, that is a platform that the devil can't close. That is a platform the devil can't close. And students, God's wanting to position you, but you're going to have to come out of the sidebar. You're going to have to come out of being in and out. You're going to have to come out and say, God, it's all yours. See, Jesus, write it down. He, he, he had a praying for the position, but he also he, he was pray, praying for their purpose. They had a purpose. Write it down. He was praying for their purpose. What was their purpose? The purpose was sent as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. In about three weeks, Nick Ripkin's going to be here. You're going to love him in our World Missions Conference that weekend. I'm telling you, you put it on your calendar. But he, several books he's written, one of them is called The Insanity of Sacrifice. He tells about being in China. And China's one of the most persecuted places in the world. It's, it, it, it's that they'll just put you in prison because they don't like you. He says he sat down with a group of leaders in China and the underground church. He said they began to share stories. Well, he said it's kind of like this one guy. said, well, I was in prison for seven years. He had a smile on his face. Another guy said, well, you know, the, 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 our family, when I went to prison for 14 years, they, the, my, the church family loved on them, and they grew wonderful. Another guy stood there and said, you know, I'm a pastor today because my dad was a pastor, and they killed him. And on his deathbed as they were killing him, he gave praise to the glory to God and said, son, don't deny the faith. Nick Ripken tells, he said, he was so, so broken by what he heard. He said, why are you guys not gathering together and telling the story? And the man said, well, let me ask you this. How many children do you have? He said, two. He said, well, do you every morning when the sun comes up, walk them over to it and look at it as if it's something that's never happened before? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, this happens every day. Isn't it supposed to be a part of who we are? Why would he go and tell somebody else our stories? Don't they have their own stories? Today, friend, I, I hear people complain about the most senseless things, and we really don't have a story. I mean, you can't give up on your children, friend, in the midst of the battle, can you? You can't give up. You can't, you can't give in. You're giving in. And what, listen, to this. You, you lean into this. What you give in to now is what you'll give in to the day they die. What you give in to right now is what you'll give in to until the day they die. And I see families that fail to take the long view. I see grandparents today that don't know what to do with their children. And listen, this is the greatest opportunity in your life for a platform. For a platform to stand up and say, if, you know, if there's, if there's been hell in your life before that you were in the flesh, confess it. Get it out and say, that was not the right way to live. But it's a fight with the devil. Just say it. Listen, every Sunday morning I email my, or text my kids. 
One's in, in Kentucky and one's in Virginia. And I, I text both of them. John's with me, so I don't have to text him. It's face to face. But I text them this morning. I said, you know, your, your mom and your dad joined hands this morning. And we prayed that you would be effective, that you would have joy, that you would have strength, and that you would have happiness in your service to God. You see, that's not a, that, that didn't, it didn't come without a battle, Pastor And so when, when Jesus spoke to the church at Smyrna, He said, I know your tribulation. And He said this, I know your poverty. The poverty, they had lost their jobs, and here they were. And listen to me, it's not going to be easy. The scars that I have on my body for doing what I do, let me tell you, listen, they begin to take, to take hold of you. That's why I don't stand up in every song that we're singing. It's because now my body is starting at times. I, I need to rest in between the preaching times so that I can have longevity in this. In the middle of the morning, when, when no one else is up at four in the morning, when I'm on my knees praying, it takes its toll after a while. But can I tell you, in the lives of people who are being changed everywhere, what little I do to sacrifice is so worth it. And the men and women of this church and the boys and girls of this church who sacrifice greatly time, talent, and treasure, isn't it worth it what we do for this King of kings and Lord of lords? Yes. The Bible says here, he says, that you're going to suffer for ten days. The ten days is, and we'll get more than numbered stuff when we get later in Revelation, but ten days is, is a number of perfection. It is a number simply like the Ten Commandments. It's just used by God, he says, for a perfect point of time, you're going to go through hell. You see, some of you right now, I'm tearing up as I think about that you've been in it a while. Others of you are about to go into it. And some of you, listen to me, today could be the key that you've received from somewhere in this message that today you could be the one coming out. You see, I may go through hell in this life, but I'm not going to go through hell in the next life. Which leads me to this last point for you and I today is this. Jesus has unlimited power in such times as these. Listen to what Jesus says. He has unlimited power in such times as these. Here's what the Word of God says. In verse number 10, the devil's about to throw you into prison that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have tribulation. And then he says these words, be faithful unto what? Wow. Now watch, and I will give you the crown of life. Now watch this thing. Jesus has unlimited power. The crown of life is reserved for those that He saves. All who know Him will receive a crown. Why why do we receive crowns? There's five that you can receive in your service, God, so that we can cast them at His feet. So are you in possession of the crown of life today? Listen to me. You know what, what Jesus was saying to that church? I'm in control of who goes to heaven. He says, you may die, but you're going to heaven. Now think about this. Think what He just, in His power, His power should cause us to do this. Number one, write it down, do not fear. When He says do not fear, the the text, I wrote it out there for you. Do not become crippled by what could happen. Did you hear what I just said? Don't become crippled by what could happen. I I, I think that in my own life, as, as I was getting ready to go into the Middle East, I don't know why I had my mind on that Sunday that I wasn't coming back. I really did, Tony. I, I had on my mind, I didn't say a word to anybody that I, I didn't think I was coming back. But the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, Keith, do you really have to go back? If you do die on this trip, will it be okay? And I'm like, yes. He said, so why are you afraid? You may have cancer right now and you may, never, you may get the report that you're not going to get out of it. Why would you fear? Why would you fear? 
If God's called you to be a pastor, why would you fear? If God's called you in your business to start a new business, just you, why would you fear? If He's brought a platform in front of you, why would you fear? The Bible says, Psalm 46 and 10, Be still, know that He's God. Exodus 14 and 13, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Here He's saying that in the midst of that perfect time, I'll have you in there. Don't let this cripple you. And Frank, can I say a word to you of encouragement today is this. Why are you worrying about things you couldn't change anyway? You just can't do it. He says, do not fear. But it also says this. I'm almost almost through. Can you give me another moment? Would you please do that? He says, be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. And then he says, verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Is anybody with an ear in this room? Now watch this. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now watch this. Do not fear. Number two, do not falter. To falter means that you you quit before you finish the, the, the finish line. You see, Jesus was here clearly. Now watch this. When I die, I'm going to die once. Even if the Lord returns in His second coming for me, I've got to, I've, there's got to be a moment of transformation within me. I've got this the old body has to lay down. Regardless of how you believe it, it's got to lay down at some point. It has to do because we've got to be transformed by God. But the Bible says it's the only time I'm going to die because I know Jesus. But you know what? Everyone who's died without the, without the Lord, they have another death waiting on them. It is the second death. It is in Revelation chapter 20 that the Bible says that, that when the millennial begins, that, that we, I believe, we're caught up together with the Lord in the air. We live forever, but, but the rest of the dead are not raised for a thousand years. The lost at the end of a thousand years. They are called up and they're judged in Revelation 20. They're judged at the great white throne judgment and they're cast into the eternal lake of fire, which is the second death. So now watch our Lord and Savior. Says, I've got unlimited power. I decide who goes to heaven and I decide who goes to hell. So which side are you on? The church of Smyrna heard words that encouraged them. And let me tell you, their aged bishop by the name of Polycarp, at the age of 86 was put, listen, in this very, this very church, he was put at the age of 86, around A.D. 120. He was put in, in a Roman Colosseum and his church members around him there sitting in the Colosseum with thousands who wanted him to die. And they, they, they put him, bound him to a stake. And the governor of the area came and said, Polycarp, if you will renounce your faith, we will let you go. It's been recorded for us in history, his response. He said this, 86 years have I lived and my Lord has never wronged me once. And how could I deny him even in this moment? The governor got all irate. He said, do you not realize I could not only bind you to the stake, but I could put wood around you and I can burn you in the fire. He said, oh, sir, you don't understand. I will only burn for an hour, but I will live eternity with God. But for those of you around this circle who do not know the Lord, you will burn for eternity. Unless you turn to the Lord. You know what, the, what they said about him, though? He was not mean and angry. They said they'd never seen such a face of love as he shared those words in tears. So I end the message like this with you. Is it the fall? Or is it your fight? Or is it your flesh that's causing the hail in your life? You say, say, Pastor, what, what do you mean by that? Well, look in your response. Is, the, is this hell from the enemy? Or is it your own making? It could be your own making. It could be your flesh that's causing this hell. Number two, are you the cause of someone else's hell? 
You say, well, what do you mean the kings of Israel often led their whole nation down into sin? And in eternity, they will still give an account for the multitudes of people that they cost their lives. Daddy, let me ask you, are you the cause of your family's hell? Mama, watching through that television, are you the cause of it? Students, are you the cause of, of the hell that's in your life today? Listen to me, the Bible says you ought to suffer well, but if you suffer for your sin, God Himself is the judge. You will never get out of hell until you admit that that's where you are. In your, you will, it is you, friend. It is you. It is you in this room. I suspect that many of us, it is the flesh of what we're dealing with. And we're praying things like this. God, please, if you'll just deliver me and get me out, Father, I'll serve you. God said, I can't get you out because I didn't cause it. And I'd be fighting you to get you out. You see, it's when you surrender. See, I can preach to the cows come home and you can pray and plead, but until you make the phone choice, your own choice, to get up out of that seat or, or call that number as you're watching through that screen, until you come down to an altar and say, Lord, it's me and I give you my hell. It'll never change. You know who you are, sir. You know who you are, ma'am. You ought to run down here. For others of you in this room, you know what? If you know hell is after you, you ought to come to Jesus today. You ought to right now in this moment surrender your life to Jesus. He is the God who knows. He's calling to you. He's saying, I'll bring you out. Don't fear. The Bible says come to Jesus and live. That's what this sermon is about for you. Lastly and finally is this. If you're serving God in the midst of your hell, just don't fear. Just get up today and start singing and shouting your praises to God and watch the platform grow. And before you know it, God will take you from the shadows of nothing to the stadiums of something amazing for Him. So you've heard the message and you've heard the different parts. So where are you, sir? Is it the fall? Is it your fight? Or is it your flesh? You can conquer them by faith. So to learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.